I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. (laughs) You can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. All right, welcome in, everybody. I'm your host, Jack Kavanaugh, and this is the Important Nonsense Podcast, and we are just wrapping up day two of the Ranking Summit. And Boy, what a weekend we have. Steve, do you have any thoughts on uh, how things went today? Uh, the NFC went much differently than the AFC. A lot less fighting, I feel like, happened today, except for one very specific topic that we will get to. Yeah, there was one very heated debate and a couple little smaller debates, but overall, a very pleasant day. We don't hate each other, or at least maybe I'm speaking for myself. Neil, how do you feel about everyone after our work this weekend? Nope. My projection of everyone hating each other by the end of the weekend has uh, has gone by the boards. That didn't work out that way. And I agree with Steve. The NFC was surprisingly much less contentious except for one seemingly interminable debate that we will spend a significant amount of the show talking about. We still probably won't get an answer for it, but that's just the way fantasy football is. Am I right, Jordan? How did you enjoy this weekend? Oh, this weekend was fun. Got to go over both conferences and who we liked and disliked and who the industry thought would be higher than we thought. And we have a couple of uh, differences, and uh, there's certainly one player who we'll get to that um, we're not completely sold on, but well, I guess we'll see. Lots of ups and downs this weekend, and get right into it. With Speaking of someone that we're low on, we are low on Kyler Murray, Kenyon Drake, and Chase Edmonds. And Neil, you're totally okay with that. I am. And low in this case is a little bit more of a relative term. It's just that we didn't get quite to the, the zenith that the industry has kind of arrived at for what is going to be the Cardinals in, uh, in 2020. And I'll, I'll go back through what we talked about in the, in the thing. You got to preach a little bit of caution with this. You got... Year two of this offense, they put out a whole bunch of tape last year. The league's going to adjust. And, you know, the industry seems to think they're going to take a huge step forward efficiency-wise, all three of those players. And especially, they think Chase Edmonds is going to continue to be very much involved. And it's driving the ADPs up for all of those guys. And so for us, by the day, the end of the day, the consensus was probably not just, not like they're bad, not like we hate them, but probably just not totally worth the price tag that they are at with you know, current ADP wise. That's where you have to differentiate, differentiate between real football and fantasy football. We all love Kyler Murray and Drake is super exciting. Just there's only so many opportunities to go around. You have opportunities being lacking last year. Chase Edmonds, was that just because he was injured last year, Steve, or do you think there's more to it with Edmonds? Do you think he's just kind of before? Um, I've always felt like he has been a a decent and underutilized back on Arizona. And I think, that's going to be the big question, right? Is, you know, the last eight games of the year, Kenyon Drake had 84% of the opportunities from the Cardinals backfield. So does Chase Edmonds get more of a role if he is 100% healthy? And then that's been the question through his whole career is can he stay healthy? Can he stay on the field enough for it to matter in Drake's projection? And I think that's going to be an interesting talking point we have all offseason. That's the thing until those the snaps are actually played, there's really just no way to know when it comes to Chase Edmonds' health, but he really is an exciting player. And speaking of health, Larry Fitzgerald, the epitome of health. Jordan, do you think he's going away this season, or is he just going to be Larry Legend as always? Well, I certainly hope he's going to be Larry Legend. I love Larry Legend. Uh, 
yeah, he won't be going away. He's still there. He still commands a lot of the target share. Uh, we have him project him almost 100 targets. Uh, just very a lot, of, a lot more less than what DeAndre Hopkins is going to get. Kind of around where Christian Kirk is going to be. But yeah, he, he still should be a big part of that offense. You know that if Cliff Kingsbury loves the air raid, he loves to have a ton of receivers out there. So yeah, I would I would still have him pegged for 100 targets, possibly more, and he'll be he'll be a good receiver to have. Maybe a better wide receiver three, I'd say. Exciting things to come in Arizona. It really truly is. But less exciting is the LA Rams and Jared Goff. We do have Jared Goff leading the leagues in attempt league in attempts. It just hasn't been that good last two or the last season, at least. So, Steve, where do you fall on Jared Goff? I mean, we all know Jared Goff's not good at football, but yes, I Ooh. have the the Rams taking a jump this season. Last year, they struggled. It obviously was a tough schedule for them, given they were in the Super Bowl the prior year, but they were still top ten in terms of total pass plays. I have them making the jump up to number one. I think with the losses they've got on that defense, they're going to be chasing a lot of points. They're going to be throwing it a ton this year. Regardless of what you think of Jared Goff, I think they're going to put the ball in the air a lot. That kind of builds into our next topic, which is we're kind of low on Cam Akers compared to the rest of the industry. People are really in on Cam Akers, and they think Malcolm Brown is completely done. Is are we ready to pour one out for Malcolm Brown, Neil? No. No, 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 no. Malcolm Brown is still, he, as long as he's still signed, I mean, technically we'll have to wait and see until after June 1, but I don't think it's, I, I think you're painting with too broad of a brush to just assume the death of Malcolm Brown when he has not been cut and they're going to cut him to save nothing. I think that at a higher level, McVay has kind of learned the lesson of maybe it's not a great idea to pay a running back a ton of money. And look at all the success they're having in the league with committees at other places, particularly in you know San Francisco. So I think it's more of a car wash than people want to give it credit for. I think they're kind of looking at it too much through the lens of what we've expected from the Rams in previous years. And this is going to be much more of a running back by committee and also a less effective rushing attack in general to the point that it was just made, because that's how we can justify having golf with that many attempts. They're going to have to chase. They're not going to be able to just run it like they've been used. They've been able to enjoy for the last several years. It almost feels like the LA Rams have jumped the shark when it comes to how exciting their offense used to be. And now we've just kind of got everything's up in the air. We're all just kind of juggling it around. And we were really split on the tight ends in LA. Jordan, who do you think has that job? Or is there a job to have? Is it just going to be two guys stabilizing targets from each other? Personally, I think it's Higby. I don't think it's Higby by a long stretch, but I do think Higby will be the guy to have. A lot of people are going to put Higby up on a pedestal just based on what he did last year. Specifically, it was the last, I think, the last five games. He went off for a, a massive amount of yards and touchdowns. And if you look back, before week 13, he had really, didn't really do much. He had five receptions and 47 yards were his uh, season highs at that point. But yeah, I, I would say Higby would be the guy. I don't really think Everett will do much to really take away that job from him. I could be wrong on that. But I would be drafting Higby where he's going. I think Higby, it, it, people can have recency bias about him, and I would be hesitant to draft him that high. Uh, so just a lot of uncertainty in that Rams offense as we've gone back a couple times. Another team with uncertainty in the backfield is something that you're pretty certain of. Can Jarek McKinnon make the team? Industry says no. Jordan McDonald says yes. What are your thoughts there? <laughs> I don't really like to uh, make bold claims, but I just... It baffles me how Jerkin is still on this team. 
I feel like it's kind of like the Malcolm Brown thing. He's still signed and he's still signed past the point of training camp. I think he has a chance to still make the team and make an impact. I know he's coming back from two major surgeries, but you know, when Kyle Shanahan signed him two years ago, he had uh, a vision for what he wanted him to do in his offense. And I think that he's still holding on to that hope. And I, I would take him late. I mean, if you're looking for some wide or some running back depth and he's, he's available, I take him. I, you see what San Francisco's done with running backs in that offense. It's, uh, it's tantalizing for sure. That's the thing is all it takes is just one or two starts from Jarek McKinnon. And he's worthwhile because you don't have to draft him right now. He's going completely undrafted in most leagues around the industry. People are just not sold on Jarek McKinnon. They think it's time to pour one out and in that career. And this brings us to a pretty heated debate between the, all of us. We were really, everyone agrees that Debo Samuel's the guy. And we all think Brandon Ayuk is the clear cut number two, but then it got contentious between Trent Taylor and Jalen Hurd. Where do you fall on that, Steve? For me, I like Hurd a lot, but really I'm split. Like Hurd was a rookie last year and missed the whole season. And then you've got Taylor who had some time with Garoppolo, but not a lot in the prior year. So they're both coming back off season ending injuries. And I'm having a difficult time trying to figure out where exactly I want to put both of them in the offense. And to that point, Neil, you took a pretty firm stance that it doesn't really matter either way because Ayuk no matter what. Is that correct? That's correct. It's Ayuk no matter what. And the good news here, uh, gentle listener, is that in reality, when you're talking about Trent Taylor and Jalen Hurd, you're arguing about guys that are probably going to have about 400 receiving yards. So really only relevant in terms of dynasty or if you think somebody could take that next step. But for me, for what we have Garoppolo projected for, it's Ayuk, and then there isn't even enough meat left to go around to a third guy. So I think the conversation kind of dies right there. Isn't that a shame? But you know what is an even a bigger shame? The Seahawks will not free Russ Wilson. We need to let Russ cook, but that's Boom. not going to happen. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. As long as Pete Carroll's there, man, that's what we were trying to tell you in the meetings. Is you got to get rid of oh, Pete before that might happen. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. But because it is Pete Carroll, we really had the con- the target concentration down to just two. It's Metcalf and it's Lockett, and that's it. None of the other receivers matter. We don't care about Philip Dorsett. Which side of that argument are you taking, Jordan? I think it's going to be... It, it depends. Like If you're talking about targets, I still think Lockett might have the edge just because he'll play the slot, and I just think that that position just warrants a lot more of the share. But if you're talking about uh, long receptions and touchdowns, I think it's Metcalf. You saw what Metcalf did at the end of last season. He really proved everybody wrong when he th- everybody thought, oh, he has terrible footwork, and he's just, uh, oh, he's just a big guy, and so he can run fast. No, he, he's a legitimate receiver. So I think he will take an extra step, and I think he'll be the guy, if you're, if you're looking for the re- receiver in that offense from a receiving yards and a touchdown standpoint, I think Metcalf is the better receiver to own. We realize that we're really high on DK Metcalf. Like I personally absolutely love DK. I think he's in for a big breakout year. And I know that Lockett does play the slot, but I'm still taking Metcalf to be that guy that leads the team in targets. That's just my bold prediction. Well, you're burying the lead. You're burying the lead from there because you were actually advocating for Metcalf over Lockett. So I wanted to spend some time there because you went to that extreme all the way to suggesting that we flip the projections. Well, going back to last year too, I mean... We were talking about this on the podcast, one of the podcasts, Jack, one of them, one of those Friday shows when it was just you and me in the daytime, the Nooners with Jack and Steve. Fantasy uh, Nooner. We, that's right. We were talking about uh, how we both were thinking Metcalf was going to be the target leader the next year because of you could just see how the projections were going with Lockett 
and how Metcalf had just taken over the the eye of Russell Wilson, if you will. He's just that dominant alpha, and it's hard not to want to get the ball in his hands. We saw it in the playoffs, and granted, we don't take the playoffs into consideration when it comes to projecting fantasy because completely different script, but we saw how dominant he can be. So I'm really excited about DK Metcalf. In general, we're excited about him as a whole. Like Steve, where does the industry industry fall on Metcalf compared to us? Uh, way too low. Uh, DK Metcalf, I think Neil, you said right around thirty. Is that right? Yeah, DK Metcalf, wide receiver thirty. Uh, thanks to the folks at Fantasy Pros for the industry consensus is here. Uh, okay. and that is, uh, yeah, wide receiver thirty for them, and we slotted in right. like wide receiver eighteen, eight, uh, twenty one. <laughs> I think was twenty one. Yes, yep. 15 so. for Lockett, 21 for Metcalf. Right now, ADP full redraft on my fantasy league. Uh, you've got DK Metcalf going at 17, Lockett at 27. Yeah. So the so people a, love them, DK Metcalf. It's the industry that hates the, it. The industry hates DK Metcalf. But, man, you want to talk about free Russell Wilson, free DK Metcalf. But if you want DK, you're going to have to pay. I think it's probably worth the price tag, though. Yeah, oh, I'm worth it. It's worth it for I'd, me. I'd say it's worth the price tag. Yeah. Because right now we've got him at 105. Was that right? 101. 101 targets yeah. and lock it at 105. I feel like that's yep. conservative. I'm with Jack. There's a good chance that flips and Metcalf is the one leading the team. And if that's the case, wide receiver 17 would be a bargain to, to get yeah. DK Metcalf. So I'm yep. all for paying that price. Exciting things expected from DK Metcalf. And we're really expecting exciting things from the NFC South, too. That's going to be a fireworks of a division. We're going to start with kind of the biggest question mark of a team and one we fought hard over, Atlanta Falcons. What is Todd Gurley? Boy, that's like a real metaphysical question when you phrase it that way. What are any of us? Uh, Todd Gurley is a guy that we ended up going through and projecting, what, four times, I want to say, something like that. When we roughly. Through it, roughly. And where we ended up is, you know, you can't, you can't just go ahead and throw out all the production that he's had in the past. And we ended up gritting our teeth and coming back with a 1,000-yard rusher and a guy who will catch 50 balls. And if that's the case, then he projects out as a, what was he, RB6? taking yeah. over the Joe Mixon spot from yesterday. So, I mean, out of the frying pan and into the fire with that. But until we can prove that there's somebody else there in Atlanta to take meaningful carries away from him, because guys, feel free to chime in. Anybody feel good about Edo Smith or Quadri Allison suddenly Brian, in the last Brian Hill, Anybody? Is there any Brian Hill truthers? Anybody? No. There's just I nobody was on there. on bandwagon last season, but it <laughs> The silence is deafening from the Brian Hill fan club over in the corner. Uh, so it, there's just no one left. And it comes down to yeah, the idea that it's opportunity and there it is. So, but yeah, Steve, I think your the thought. biggest thing we took away from that too, was that in 15 games last year, because the narrative is Todd Gurley is hurt and you can't trust him and he's unreliable in 15 games for the Rams. He had 223 carries and there was like an audible gasp in the room. Uh, that he actually hit that total and we've projected him for 15 games and 212 this year so we're even coming in a little lower than the rush attempts that he had last year it's just there's nobody to steal the targets now now he's got the 61 targets even though he doesn't hit a thousand yards rushing he hits almost 1200 all-purpose yards so 
I mean, you, you've got Todd Gurley up there at RB6. Do I feel confident he would hit that? No, but for what you're going to have to pay to get him, I feel like it's a bargain. Considering that he's RB20 in the industry, effectively, right now, with 800 rushing yards. And that's, that's yeah, going to be... He's RB20 in ranking, and he's going ADP19. Yeah, I mean, so for where we have him, it's just going to be it's going to be an utter. You're going to own Todd Gurley a lot if you're going with our projections and our ultimate rankings. Because even if you don't rank him at six, which none of us will, I mean, he's not going to be a twenty. If you just take what Devonta Freeman did last year, and you take that role and give it to a talented running back, it just projects out so well. That was one of the things we were talking about offline. Neil was when we had this initial Todd Gurley talk. Look, how can we talk about Devonta Freeman the way we did last year with such rose-colored glasses as a top 15 potential guy and everybody in love with Devonta Freeman as a sleeper and then put Todd Gurley in the exact same role on the exact same offense and hate him? Right. And also, when I, I broke it down for the free agents thing, it's shocking. Go win a bar bet. Todd Gurley is actually, by the numbers, a better pass catcher than Devonta Freeman is in terms of percentages. He catches more of them, and it's going to be the same role. So you're kind of talking out of both sides of your mouth with wanting to crush Todd Gurley but when everybody was all in on Devonta Freeman last year. It's a, it's a conundrum, but we're going to end up being that show. We love Todd Gurley. That's us. That's going to be our, he's going to be our guy. It's not pretty, but at the end of the day, if it wins you fantasy championships, it wins you fantasy championships, and that's all we can really hope for. And a player who often wins fantasy championships, Julio Jones. He's our wide receiver too, but we're like 15 targets and 100 plus yards short on him. Is that the, just the pessimism in us? I don't really know. Either way, it's him and it's Calvin Ridley in that offense. And maybe there's Double H, uh, Hayden Hurst. What, what do you think about him, Jordan? I like him. I think he, uh, he can fit that offense well. You saw what Hooper could do. I'm not saying he's Austin Hooper, but he certainly can fill the void that was left by him and his several targets that he accumulated in less than 16 games. So yeah, I would, I would look for him. I don't think he's going to be in the top tier, probably not even the second tier of tight ends, but he's definitely somebody to keep your eye on uh, late in late in your drafts. If you're looking to fill that spot and you've been, cause I know when I do my drafts, I usually leave the tight end position to usually the last few picks and just roll with a guy, take a flyer and a guy. So yeah, I think I think he could uh, he could play well, but we'll definitely see. He uh, he didn't really show too much in Baltimore, but now that he has nobody in front of him to uh, take targets away from him, I think he should be fine. That's the thing is to Aiden's point earlier when we were talking today. Aiden doesn't think Austin Hooper's good, so he got ninety plus targets just by being Matt Ryan's best friend. Hunter, or Hayden Hurst could absolutely do that. These are tight end twelve right now. Steve, are you comfortable with Hayden Hurst at tight end twelve? No, not at all. Uh, look, to Aiden's point again, yes, Austin Hooper's not great. Is Hayden Hurst better than Austin Hooper? I feel like it's six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. I feel like it's kind of the same deal. But we saw two years of Austin Hooper in the Atlanta offense do diddly squat. And that is a technical term, if you want to go ahead and look that up. He did basically nothing for two years, and then all of a sudden, last year... And the year before, he towards the end of the season, but last year for sure, blew up as a top five guy when he was healthy. And it was all the rapport with Matt Ryan and getting on the same page with Matt Ryan, which Hayden Hurst does not have right now. 
He's brand new to that team. So this first season, he struggles for sure. It feels like in 2021, though, sure, Hayden Hurst, all about it. Absolutely. It's the same deal. But until then, no, I'm, I'm kind of out on it. Being in a new offense does often create a lot of uncertainty, but sometimes it can be really exciting, which is what we find with the Carolina Panthers. Steve, you and I absolutely love Teddy Bridgewater. The wheels are way up on him. Unconditionally. Can you talk us off that ledge or we he could try and fail, but I, mean. I do we want to waste people's time with like this, this, this debate I gave up in the room on this debate. Uh, here's, here's what I'll say. The projection that we have for Teddy is going to be high compared to what's going on in the industry. And it's just a belief on how efficient that Teddy can be. And I think he's going to be a really solid player, but I'm not near where you guys are from where you guys are sitting. Teddy, Teddy's going to be your, if you're going to QB, Teddy's going to be your second QB in every format. Is that is that more or less a fair statement, I'd say, Stephen Jack? Teddy Bridgewater consensus is like mid-20s, ADP, he's currently going quarterback 25, like undrafted, and we've got him projected at quarterback 14. Yes. He is a bi-week fill-in candidate. He is, for me, he is just so wildly undervalued. I don't understand it. What has he done in his career to make you think that Teddy Bridgewater is not an efficient enough quarterback in the NFL to put up numbers? If Kyle Allen could be a top 10 fantasy quarterback at times for the Panthers, how is Teddy Bridgewater not good enough to do it? Well, that's the thing. I come in in between the industry and where you guys are because you guys are at 14. I was closer to like the 16 type of territory, but 25 is is criminal because that means people are reaching on crazy things at that point because we got down to the 25 range <laughs> it was it's not pretty so no like i said i wasn't even going to attempt to talk you off this that's that's not it's not a position that i'm going to win at <laughs> so i'm glad uh, you realized that i'm very i glad gave up like that. i said i gave up during the show or gave up during the uh the actual round table we we love teddy bridgewater the rest of the industry does not the rest of the industry does not love robbie anderson and i don't understand that the wide receiver too it's not curtis samuel i'm sorry it is what it is i love curtis samuel but it's not happening he's the wide receiver three best that's all we have to say about the carolina panthers we're moving on to the saints and spoiler alert Alan kamara michael thomas they're still elite and Taysom hill broke the spreadsheet if you want to go into that how does Taysom hill factor into the offense? doesn't <laughs> next question <laughs> uh, i mean right. what it, like, I said it when they announced it. Taysom Hill did himself such a huge favor on ESPN that he went from being my quarterback 33 to my tight end 26. Way to go. You did it. And after we came out of this weekend, now he's tight end 29. So he moved down. So there you go. That's how he factors in. And just a reminder that those gadget players do not mean that they're going to be valuable in fantasy. They're touchdowns that they steal from other people. And that's kind of why we're a little bit low on Jared Cook compared to the industry. Jordan, what are your thoughts on Jared Cook in the Saints tight end room? Well, personally, Jared Cook burned me last year. Uh, he, I, he was somebody that I had high hopes for going into my draft. I drafted him and he started off slow. Then I dropped him, and then that's when he started going off. So that explains why he, he played well. So anybody who kept him, you're welcome. Uh, but, you know, it really depends. Like, there's they added Emmanuel Sanders, so I think that they'll see a lot of targets go to him. 
and you still have Kamara there. So I think there's a lot that's going to go into it. And I, I think that that's why you'll see his target share go down. He's still a good tight end to own. Maybe not the top tier or the second tier, what we thought he was kind of maybe around where Hayden Hurst is going. Uh, but yeah, I, th I think he's still valuable in the sense where he can have big games, but don't rely the world every time you're trotting him out there. That's it's, it's tough to rely too heavily on Jared cook. We've been burned through the years through doing that, but yeah, it is what it like, is. I feel like Jordan made a good point too, about Emmanuel Sanders. And that was one of the things that stuck with me coming out of this was right now, ADP Emmanuel Sanders is going at wide receiver 60. We have him projected wide receiver 51. I still feel like that's low. I understand Michael Thomas dominates the target share there and is a great athlete, but every season in his career that Emmanuel Sanders has played over 12 games, he's gotten over 100 targets. Even when he was playing in Pittsburgh with AB, he still got over 100 targets. So I, I feel like 79 targets for him is an extremely conservative projection from us. And if you can get Emmanuel Sanders late in your draft, I would feel really good about that on my bench. He's just that player that consistently produces no matter what. You think he's gone, you think he's gone, you think he's gone, and then he's back. Speaking of that type of player, Tom Brady, he was gone last year. Now he's back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we had a big fight over this. How many pass attempts do you think they're going to have? Well, this is this was one of the 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 things that actually like resembles an actual argument that we had. So we settled on 623, and uh, for me, it's closer to like 600. So that's that's kind of that's kind of where I slotted in at. But framing that against, you want to go through Steve what they what they've done historically because it's been over 700 in Tampa Bay. So, so again, so two years ago when it was Fitzpatrick and Winston. They ran 726 passing plays, not pass attempts, but pl passing plays. Last year with just Jameis, it was 706. With this projection, I have them at 597. And 655 dropbacks for Tom Brady, based on his career numbers and his percentage of pass attempts to drop back, that's where I came to 623. So if we're saying he's going to have less than 623 pass attempts, he's going to either throw the ball significantly less than he normally does per dropback, or Tampa Bay just isn't going to throw the ball nearly as much as they ever have. I'm pretty in line with you. I think it's wheels up on Tom Brady. That offense is going to be slinging that. That mean we're going to see more receptions from Ronald jo Jones, Jordan? Well, I would think so, even though he's not a very good pass catcher. I just think that if he's on the field enough and Tom Brady needs a little check down option he's available but you got guys like you got darway ogumbwale you've got Keyshawn vaughn who i think is going to win the job i think he'll be the the rb1 later so you know we had we settled at 12 i kind of argued for more but we never went with it but i think 12 is fine you know he's really not going to be the reliable back to to catch passes so you'd rather want guys like vaughn or Ogunbowale to to catch passes, and Jack, you you mentioned this when we were doing the rankings that Ronald Jones is probably was you said he was the worst uh, pass blocking running back last year. He was. He was absolutely dreadful. So yeah. So Tom Brady's not going to trust that. Neither will Bruce Arians. So that means uh, less plays for him to be out there to even catch a ball. So you know, 
I, th- I think we'll be fine with the the Vaughn and Ungabali show, even though I know what we're really high on Dare. That's for sure. Yeah, that's the thing is, if Tom Brady doesn't trust you, it's hard for us to trust you. And unfortunately, to the opposite end of that, trust Rob Gronkowski, the longest reigning twenty four seven champion in WWE history. By the way, <laughs> a lot of people have him top five. Do you have him anywhere close to that? Um. So I've I've said this before. But when they acquired Rob Gronkowski, the biggest thing for me was Tom Brady is going to need someone to reliably check down to as he learns the offense and as he builds a rapport with these new wide receivers. And while I think both Evans and Godwin will dominate targets, I feel like the first four weeks of the season, we could see Rob Gronkowski as a top five to ten tight end in terms of production, and he will be the world's greatest sell high. Because the final 12 weeks of the season, he will end up being around tight end 20-ish. And will finish the year around tight end 12 or 13. That's just the way I see that breaking down. As he gets more comfortable with the wide receivers, he is less and less interested in throwing the ball to Rob Gronkowski. And that's the thing, is it's more of a fun narrative. But in terms of fantasy success, we'll see. It's a very up-in-the-air role, especially with two dominant receivers on the outside. And another team with two dominant receivers, well, at least Allen Robinson is, and we've got Anthony Miller in the slot. We don't know who's going to be the QB in Chicago. Do you want to talk about that at all, Neil, or is it too painful for you? Look, every part of this segment is always painful when you're talking about the Bears and their nine tight ends and Ryan Pace. But this was actually a pretty contentious topic in the room today in terms of how this will actually structure. What's not contentious is that both Nick Foles and Trubisky will see meaningful snaps and appear as the starter everybody agreed on that but nobody can agree on the breakdown for me here's how i think this is going to go there's going to be an utter farce of a quarterback competition that nick Foles wins handily and then manages to start the first like six to eight games of this and then either through ineffectiveness or injury gives way to trubitsky or ryan pace is desperately trying to save his job and goes back to trubitsky uh to try and to try and you know save himself but that's that's the way I see this going. But I know not everybody saw that the same way. Some people think Trubisky is going to get first first crack at this, and I'm I'm not totally sold on that. That's how I have it breaking down. I think they're going to give Trubisky the chance to run with it because he does know the system. He has been there, and they really do want him to be the guy. Unfortunately, he's not. And so we're about six games into the season, he's going to be benched for Nick Foles, and that's going to be the end of the Trubisky saga in Chicago. You really hate to see it. The thing you don't hate to see though, Matt Stafford. How do you feel about him as a mid-round option? This, if you take what he did last year, he looks he shapes out to be a very good mid-tier option. It just depends if he can stay healthy. You know, if he stay healthy and they can play efficiently, he's he's got the weapons around him. He's got Galladay, Marvin Jones Jr., who we who we love, and the industry doesn't seem to. He's still got Amendola. He's he's apparently got Jerome Allison, who I totally forgot about because he's uh, for me he's dead. He's dead to me. What he did to me last year. And then they bring in DeAndre Swift, who should catch a lot of passes out of the back of him. So, you know, the pieces are there. If he can, oh, I also forgot about Hawkinson, too. So, I mean, there's a lot of things to work with there. But, again, it boils down to, can he stay healthy? Is he durable enough? And if not, this team could spiral down very quickly. And that's the thing, is they did bring in Chase Daniels to try and stabilize things if Stafford does have to miss a game or two, but you are playing a little bit with fire after the back injury last year, but I personally love Stafford with the weapons there. And Steve, you love another member of the Detroit Lions backfield, and it's on Johnson. 
Well, I mean, I did until the draft happened. But <laughs> it's it's tough to love him now. Um, look, I, I would love. I wanted Carry On to be a top twelve guy again this year. I had him projected out that way. I was ready to die on that hill. And then they went and drafted DeAndre Swift, and now, now I'm still higher on Carry On than most people. But it's just, ugh, it's a shame, really. It's kind of how I feel. You feel about Josh Reynolds. I feel like that's the same thing. Is I, I really want Carry On to just have a shot to be the guy, and they keep just trying to replace him. Free Carry On. <laughs> Free Carry On, indeed. You want to free Aaron Rodgers, Neil? The same player he used to be, or are we ready to put him out of at the back of the QB pile? Well, I wouldn't say the back of the QB pile, but you know, you're talking about you got Teddy Bridgewater over him at this point. So that I just, you know, just to frame that, yeah, I do. <laughs> so it's uh, he's just not the same percent. guy anymore. Yeah, he's just not the same guy anymore. That was the one thing we all agree on. He's not. It's not Rodgers or bust anymore. There'll still be those four games a year where their whole game plan goes out the window and they run back to him going, save us, Aaron, save us by just heaving the ball down the field. That happens a couple times a year and sometimes he doesn't, sometimes he can't. But no, I felt pretty good about this one, actually, where, yeah, it's blasphemous almost, it seems like, after the history. But given the new LaFleur offense, he's going to be quarterback 17 for us. And I can't really, you know, to all the Aaron Rodgers, to all the Packer fans out there, boy, if you hated us before, they're shutting this off now, especially for what we're going to do in a second. <laughs> on, my, on my fantasy league right now, Aaron Rodgers is going at quarterback 11. On fantasy football calculator, he's going QB7. Oh, what wow. year is it? it? You just can't, that's what, what I'm saying. What year is it? People still look at the name and not the numbers, and he's just not the same player anymore. It's just not the way that it works. They run the ball so much more. They really do want to run the ball, but it's going to be a split. And this brings us to our favorite segment of the day. We get to listen to Steve talk about Aaron Jones. Steve, Release do you want to the clean eye. <laughs> uh, let's see. So we got Aaron Jones right now, ADP in PPR. He's going at running back 12. And that's just fantasy football calculator because I feel like that's extremely conservative for how crazy people get about Aaron Jones. Uh, let's see. He's going at 11 in my fantasy league. So that's, I'm proud of you people. You did it. You got closer to right. You're still horribly wrong, but congratulations. You did much better. I appreciate it. Now, Aaron Jones, we've talked about. He is the most touchdown dependent guy since probably LeGarrette Blunt with his 18 touchdown season on the Patriots. There's no way he sustains that same rate that he had before. And now you've added another mouth to feed. He already needed to score in order for him to be a reliable RB1, even startable. Remember we had that whole debate last year? The games that he didn't score a touchdown, he wasn't even in the top 24 at running back. He had to get into the end zone. And now you add A.J. Dillon into the mix with Jamal Williams and just the production is not there. Yeah, it's really scary with Aaron Jones. People are paying way too high of a price tag. Well, and to that point, the industry is not helping that. I'm glad. I'm, I'm proud of America, Steve. I'm proud of America here. <laughs> they're not buying into this fraudulent industry projection that projects Aaron Jones to hit 11 touchdowns. That, uh, how, okay. Like, uh, just, 
Like I find that very hard to believe that he can even get to 11 and, and 900 plus. I just don't see it. Not for what he's going to be asked to do. It's just a mess of a backfield. And we have it as a 50% split for Aaron Jones and then Jamal Williams with 30% of the carries and AJ Dillon with 20%. And that's just a nightmare for fantasy. We hate to see that. We hate what's going on in the rest of the receiver room. We've got Devontae Adams, absolute stud, and then we've got a bunch of nothing. So how does that play out for you, Jordan? Are you in on any of the Packers wide receiver twos? Uh, not really. I mean, Lazard could break out. I know Aaron Rodgers was bullish about him in his recent interview. They brought in Funches. So you think this team, everybody going, going to the draft, everybody's thought they're going to draft a receiver. It's a one of the deepest wide receiver classes ever, and they don't do anything. So they must think a lot about what they have and who they brought in, which is only Funches, to think that we have enough to compete this year. I know that they want to run the ball more, but they still need to throw. It's it's passing league. We all know that. So Lazard and Funches, like we know Adams is going to be Devontae Adams. He's definitely going to be in the top five. But the other two, there, there's a possibility one could break out. Will it be Lazard? Will it be Funches? We don't know yet. I would put my money on Lazard more than Funches, but I guess we'll see. You know, maybe they'll, maybe they'll just go to a, a 90-10 run percentage is what the industry thinks, apparently. That's what uh, Neil found out, that they are going to run for a certain amount. <laughs> yes, the math on the on that projection does not even add up if you add up all the industry projections to get to their actual output total. The math doesn't even make sense. So again, like I said, I'm proud of America here. They're standing up and they're realizing that you got to sometimes you just got to reject something out of hand. And uh, yeah, we reject this premise. Sometimes you just have to look at the numbers. And that's what we did when it came to the Minnesota Vikings. And they're going to run the ball a lot. That defense got objectively worse. They lost three of the starting corners. They lost their starting defensive end. It's going to be a worse defense and they're not going to be able to run as much. And the industry right now has 260 carries for Dalvin Cook and 130 carries for Alexander Madison. It's ridiculous. How is that going to happen, Steve? Yeah, like I said when we talked about it today, I mean, this was one of the harder teams to try to project out. Two years ago, Minnesota was number six in pass plays and dead last in rushing plays. And a lot of that had to do, I think, with Dalvin Cook being hurt, but also just the fact that they were playing from behind a bunch. So now you take it to last year with an easier schedule. They end up going 10-6. and six. They're number three in the league in run plays. And they're the bottom team in the league in passing plays. So which Minnesota Vikings do you get? And I think we're closer to two years ago than we are to last year because with that defense and with a harder schedule, they're going to be playing from behind. They're going to be chasing points a lot. The thing that blows my mind is I've seen a lot of people who have them projected to go 9-7 and still, which to me is ridiculous but they have them going nine and seven basically the same win loss basically the same team construction wise coming back except you've added a couple new wide receivers and gotten rid of digs and they somehow think that the vikings are going to run the ball more and throw the ball more i don't know where they're getting these crazy numbers from everything is to be an excess this year for the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, people really think it's going to be an excess of targets for Adam Thielen. Neil, are you on that train or do you think it's going to be another low volume offense? No, it's, it's also the argument that we got into in the room about Thielen now, except for when he goes into the slot, because we acknowledge that not every corner can do this. But when he's asked to play outside, he's going to draw the one coverage and there's really nobody else. So it's hard to justify him hitting these projections that 
they're saying when they think he, when the industry seems to think he's going to own like 70% of the receiver targets. And I'm just not completely sold that that's exactly how that's going to work out. I think people are sleeping on Justin Jefferson a little bit and what he brings to the table. And it just, I can't co-sign Thielen well over, like the, the industry seems to think 1100 yards is on the table. And I, we came in just under a thousand. And I think we're, I think we're more conservative and more correct in this case. Uh, the Vikings really did give us a hard time breaking things down. Just there's so much going on on that team. And there's just so much uncertainty. We all did agree. We're all big Dallas Cowboys fans. Back Prescott. I don't know about right. that. <laughs> we had some from their fantasy options. I'd say, we, I'd say maybe not right, of the sure, yeah, okay. team itself. We're fans of their fantasy potential and output and their options. And no one here is a Cowboys fan. fan. Let's be clear. No one here is a real Cowboys fan, but we really did like what they're going to produce on offenses. Max great. Roy Cooper's great. Michael Gallup's great. The industry has him going over a thousand. We really just don't see that. D. Lamb's great. Ezekiel Elliott's great. Like it's just great. Everything about that team is great. Any objections? Easy schedule too. So that always helps. But we got love for Blake Jarwin. Well, some love. I don't know about that. Blake no, Jarwin. <laughs> too many mouths to uh, turn. But... And it's Blake Jarwin. How I feel about the New York Giants, though. They're just kind of a blah team, but really. The pass-catching options there are pretty interesting. They do have the big three at receiver. Right now, the industry has Shepard as number one, Darius Slayton at number two, and Golden Tate at number three. I'll break down how we have it here at Important Nonsense. Well, we ended up having kind of quite the kerfuffle here about this, about the actual order. But what's very interesting is when you go through the actual industry order, it's Shepard, Slayton, Tate. Shepard and Slayton appear next to each other in the wide receiver projections. So they're the same. They, they, they couldn't decide. So they put them next to each other. And then Tate is five spots lower. So when you're having this debate, you're talking about everybody's going to end up with about, with about 800 yards. But for PPR, we actually went with the other way. Tate, Slayton, and Shepard. And really, the, the winner of the day was, I think a lot of people have a lot of concerns about Sterling Shepard's ability to stay on the field, which is how he comes in at third. I think dis- distribution-wise, they also want to give Slayton the higher upside but Tate is probably your safest option from a PPR standpoint, just because he's still going to have, we believe that that floor, that reception floor that will help you out. So, but not everybody saw that that way. Who, who wants to pound the table for Slayton and give me that enthusiasm that we got earlier? Come on, let's go. Let's all your 979 yard <laughs> Darius Slayton projections. Let's hear them. Well, it definitely wasn't me. I, 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 no, I think Slayton will, will do well, but I don't think he was as good as other people projected him to be. I th- I still think Golden Tate will, will see the most targets on the team. I think Slayton will be second if Sterling Sherman gets hurt. But we also need to account for the oft-injured Evan Engram, too. You know, he, if he's in there, he's also going to take targets away from the three-headed monster that is Shepard, Tate, and Slayton. As it was set up in the meeting, the theory that Evan Engram will play football for the New York Giants. Exactly. We know he's going to play. We know he's going to get targeted when he plays. That's all we know. What we glossed over, too, is the fact that everybody's always looking for that diamond in the rough at quarterback. And right now, you know, last year it was Lamar, obviously. The year before that, it was Mahomes. Right now, ADP, Daniel Jones is going quarterback 14. We've got him projected at 8, and I feel like that's pretty good where it is. That may even be a little conservative. You know, he's got the rushing floor. He could definitely end up in the end zone a couple more times than we've got him projected. Everybody wants to anoint 
Kyler Murray as this year's Lamar Jackson, but I think Daniel Jones has a real shot to be a guy that sneaks into the top five despite being outside of the top 10 or 15 in uh, ADP. Not to mention the defense isn't very good and wasn't very good already. And now it's going to have a lot of opportunity. The only question that you have is can they keep him upright? That's always the that's the one struggle with Daniel Jones is can the Giants O line actually make Well, the biggest thing for him is can he hold on to the ball? That too. Can he stop fumbling the football? I think that would go down if they could stop people from being in his face within 1.5 seconds of the ball being snapped. But I mean if he's constantly running for his life, I feel like that also plays into him getting those rush yards and helping his floor. Right. Well, and also just some of the big, you know, he breaks he breaks contain and then just hucks one, which we see him do quite a bit. So that's 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 always the appeal. But no, it's a good point because everybody wants to, you know, give it directly to Kyler. Right. And if Daniel Jones is free, then I mean that's a great that's a great deal. I really do like Daniel Jones this this coming season, especially because he does have that mobility. Sometimes that mobility goes too far in the opposite way, and I'm really starting to think that the industry is going that way when it comes to Jalen Hurts. They think he's the new Taysom Hill, and he's going to be catching passes, and he's going to have they have for over 30 rush attempts. Like, slow down, guys. Jalen Hurts is great. He's not Taysom Hill just yet. Just slow down a little bit. About to pump things back up. How do you feel about Boston Scott this season? I've had this conversation with so many people, but Boston Scott, when you look at the numbers, everybody wants to say, oh, well, Jordan Howard is gone, so now it's just the Miles Sanders show. And when you actually look at the numbers over the weeks that Jordan Howard was out hurt at the end of last year, it was basically a even split in terms of targets, and it was only about 60-40 in terms of Sanders for the carries. So he had roughly 60% of the job, 55-60, to and Boston Scott was just as efficient, if not more so. So he will have a role on this team. He will definitely have a role on this offense. He's going to eat into Miles Sanders more than people think. And if someone else gets signed, it'll hurt Boston Scott, but until then... I feel like he's a sleeper that you should be targeting. We all agreed Corey Clement is dead. Don't don't waste our time with Corey <laughs> right. Clement. It almost feels like a waste of time talking about Deshaun Jackson at this point, but he's still there and we still do have to predict him. So we've got him in a pretty sizable role. It's just, does he stay healthy? Because of that, those questions, we have Jalen Rager as the team's wide receiver too, which I'm really excited about. When it really comes down to it, it's Zach Ertz as a wide receiver one and Miles Goddard is also going to have a big season. Philadelphia, they're a fun team, but it's a lot of question marks when it comes to the wide receiver room. And same at quarterback with Carson Wentz and now Jalen Hurts. Another team with question marks at quarterback, and this was a huge debate. It's not a QB competition between Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Allen. It's just not. Dwayne Haskins' job over Kyle Allen. But there's another quarterback in that room, Steve. Who is it? Alex Smith. Not dead yet. Oh, absolutely not. We saw that video. He is absolutely not dead. He is very much alive. See that recovery video, Neil? <laughs> I did. I did. It's a. It's pretty. It's a pretty kind of medical miracle that he's able to like come back to football, considering you know where he was at uh, with the whole recovery after the infections and the multiple surgeries. So it's uh, it's pretty amazing that he's actually going to be able to come back and actually get in the league. It really is. I'm really rooting for him. You just kind of love to see those kinds of stories, but it has been a long and messy process coming back. Speaking of long and messy, have you looked at the death chart of the uh, Washington Rivera's backfield? Because, wow, there's a lot of people. 
stands out for that backfield for you, Jordan? Oh, it, it is it is messy. You know, we we've gone through a lot of messy backfields going over all these projections, but this one might be the worst. You know, we have only five guys on the actual depth chart right now, and Peyton Barber's not even on there. We completely forgot about Peyton Barber entirely. So, oh, we didn't forget. We didn't forget. We know he's in the there. industry. We just forget. know we're aware what he's capable of. He's he's there. It just no, it's not worth not worth doing it. That's true. But there's a lot of guys that will have different roles. We we think Darius Geis will be the guy, but you know there's durability issues there as well. AP is still you know chugging along. We seem to like Antonio Gibson. We think Antonio Gibson may be the guy for the target share, maybe the best for PPR. Uh, and then you also got Bryce Love and McKissick. So I really don't know how to decipher this, but I think if you're going into the season, everybody's healthy. I think Darius Geis would be who you want to target. And then maybe kind of look towards Antonio Gibson towards the end of your end of your drafts, maybe even Bryce Love. But yeah, overall, I don't think there's much to look forward to. Yeah, right now, Gibson is going uh, ADP running back 49. I feel like that's great value. I would definitely snatch that up. There's a possibility he becomes uh, not the lead back because I feel like if something happens to Geist, that's still going to be Peterson. He's going to be the between the tackles guys. But the, to Jack's point when we were talking about this, I mean, Antonio Gibson's going to get a lot of targets. And if you're in a PPR league, which is what we're talking about here, Antonio Gibson is a guy I'm definitely targeting late in drafts. He could theoretically be the new Chris Thompson. That's that seems yeah, to be which the, we've seen have a ton of yeah. value. So and we all, like you said, we all love the Chris Thompson role, and Antonio Gibson would absolutely thrive in that. But just remember, he's not getting seventy five carries unless someone gets hurt. And even then, there's a lot of mouths to feed in that backfield. So the industry has him around seventy five carries. That's really a lot right now. Targets have to go somewhere, and we've got pretty much all of the targets going to Scary Terry. Terry McLaurin is completely wheels up because this team is just so bad. Are you excited about Terry McLaurin this year, Neil? How could you not be? I mean, given given what we saw last year, just with the when he can stay on the field, just with the athleticism, just the route running, the hands. I mean, he's he's a true one in my eyes. And could you just imagine what he would be on a real team? A team that actually was coached properly and had other weapons around him. But no, we're projecting another 1,000-yard th- season for Scary Terry. And uh, given what you have to pay to acquire Terry, because he plays on such a bad team, uh, th- it's totally worth your time to be targeting him in your drafts. Because he's going to go a little bit under the radar just because people don't want to deal with... Well, frankly, you don't want to deal with the mess that is the D.C. Riveras. And he's yeah, the to one your point, thing I what we had talked about was, you know, that the industry as a whole thinks the the R's are just going to throw it a lot less, right? So yes. the the problem with that theory is the defense. Their is so team bad. is so terrible that they are going to be chasing a lot of points. So they're going to throw the ball. They got to throw it somewhere. Right now, McLaurin's going to ADP wide receiver twenty nine. It's, it's, it's a free free value. We're going to have him that up. Yeah, go ahead and bank chance. that bank that bad boy because you're going to get a lot more than that yeah, and to that point the targets do have to go somewhere but the tight end room is just absolutely terrible too so we don't really think the tight the targets are going to be going to that room anyone else that stands out in the washington tight end room for you jordan is there anyone you're excited about probably randy moss jr i'd feel you know they <laughs> also known as thaddeus moss that's not disrespectful thaddeus moss is probably the guy um, right now we have Jeremy Sprinkle ahead of him just because Jeremy Sprinkle's been with the team longer than Thaddeus Moss has. But that can definitely change, you know, uh, depending how this offseason goes. 
But again, there isn't really any guys that I would target. It's more of who's on the waiver wire if I'm on a bye week or if some guy is starting to starting to project up. But yeah, there's not a, just like the rest of the offense minus Terry McLaurin, not a lot here. Air to dream, something that we can all use right now is just a dream about football and what's going to be coming this upcoming season. Let's try and end things on a happier note today. So, Jordan, what stood out for you today? Was it better today? Are we going to end on a happier note? Uh, I think it was about the same. You know, I think we had some some healthy debates, but uh, like we said, we we all love each other, and nobody really had their feelings. <laughs> maybe uh, Aiden about Dante Pettis, but other than that, I think everything went well. That's and uh, That's I'm looking forward to the season. It really is an exciting time of year, just getting prepped for the season, unless you're a Dante Pettis fan, which, Steve, you are absolutely not. So any thoughts on Dante Pettis or the rest of the weekend? Uh, yeah, like I said yesterday, there was a couple of things that, that stood out to me. Uh, I mentioned earlier, Philly backfield. Right now, Miles Sanders is going ADP RB9. I mean, that you have to pay for it. You have to believe in it, and I just don't. I feel like that's a mistake. I feel like Josh Allen's too high. And Daniel Jones is too low. I feel like it's the Spider-Man meme. I mean, they're they're even both in New York. I don't understand. It's the same thing. It just people want to love Josh Allen over Daniel Jones for no reason, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, they, there was a lot of interesting things that came out of this weekend. I'm looking forward to putting rankings together. I always kind of wonder if uh, people don't like Daniel Jones because he's got that same kind of shucksy doodle personality that Eli Manning had. And if that just kind of rubs people the wrong way, maybe that's it. But otherwise, I completely agree with you. Uh, to that point, Neil, any parting thoughts for the the fans? Nope. Just, I mean, we had we had a great weekend. And again, the thing for me for today, the biggest, not realizations, but just conversations. I can't believe the projections for Green Bay and Minnesota that they're trying to get people to co-sign and go with don't even add up from a math basic math perspective and i'm proud of america as i said for saying no to aaron jones just 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 throwing cold water on that fire but uh but no just i hope everybody stays safe and healthy and uh we're looking forward to getting rankings for you and for kicking the website back on in june say no to bad nfc north map say no say yes (laughs) to the upcoming receivers that are going to break out we've got a lot of them Really excited about Terry McLaurin, as we discussed. Really excited about DK Metcalf. And we've got a little bit older guys like Calvin Ridley. Like It's just a really exciting time for young receivers in the league. With that, we will be signing off. So thank you for joining us today on the Important Nonsense Podcast. For Jordan McDonald, at Donald McJordan. For Neil Smith, at Nonsense underscore Neil. For Steve Bonham, at Nonsense underscore Steve. And for myself, at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh. Along at at Nonsense FF and over at importantnonsense.com. Don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!